0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 291st episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that would like you all to know that Midnight Hunt left us with some very Halloweens. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MDGCritic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Travis Allen at Bumpen on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Good evening, everybody. Good evening, James. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing all sorts of uh, not valuable information with you given today's uh, topics. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today, mtgprice.com, to plan your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby
0: mtg fast finance is proudly sponsored by cool stuff inc where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including all the best in magic the gathering singles sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles use the promo code finance five that's the number five during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save five percent off your order and support this podcast as we slide into autumn travis what is on the agenda this week this week, we will start with the MTGO
1: Metagame Week in Review with two modern challenges a challenge and a showcase challenge. Uh, to start off with, segment two our top paper movers. We have a bunch of spe- uh, recent movers to discuss, and it seems like they're basically all in a straw hype for the most part, along with some MTGO movers. Segment three, our cards to watch. We'll go through some cards we think won't end up in the next section. And that's segment four, our topic of the week, Specs Gone Wrong. Uh, some of the scariest specs that we've seen. Um, and we have solicited feedback from our listeners on this. So we'll we'll scroll through and comment on those. Uh, but let's start out here at the top. The, uh, the first modern challenge here from... Oh, let's see, We've got these in reverse order. We should do the showcase challenge from the 25th, right? Because it was sure. the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, taken down by Jund. We've got Hammer Time in second. Burn taking third, fifth, and seventh. I mean, that's got to be the the takeaway of this event is just Burn putting three copies into the top eight in a format where you two copies seems to be the upper limit for how successful card decks
0: are archetypes are at the moment and i I think you have to read that as burn knowing what its clock is and feeling that given the the decks that occupy tier one and tier 1.5 in this format that they're most likely to face they feel that they can get their 20 points of damage in
1: that seems like a reasonably fair estimation um burn is sort of like control in some ways That if you, I mean, it it thrives well in a format where there's no, where essentially you're lawless in new formats where just doing damage is good. But once the format gets a little bit of settled, it can be harder for burn to break through. But I think if it gets clear enough and they know precisely what sideboard cards are going to do the work for them, they can have a good, a good event, especially if they think the format has slowed down just enough that they can sneak in. I don't know. It's interesting. It'd be, it'd be curious to hear somebody, a stronger player, pontificate about that.
0: Well, the thing about Burn is it very rarely leads to specs. The,
1: yeah, well, the that's deck, true.
0: The deck is very hard to place new cards into outside of the sideboard. It tends to be a pretty cheap deck to pull together. Um, it's not clear that the percentage of the modern population that is willing to play burn has ever grown or shrunk per se, other than, you know, uh, whether burn players pull the deck out of the closet when it starts top eighting like this and then put it back in later and switch to something else, as opposed to it being something that excites the mind and gets, gets people to run out and buy relevant cards. As you know, we have certainly seen with some of these other lists like blue, black mill and hammer time. And, and, uh, the thing that won the, the modern challenge the day after, but to finish up the list, we've got Living End in fourth, Eldrazi Tron in sixth, and Shardless Footfalls running four Brazen Borrower in eighth. So overall, a fairly standard-looking uh, modern challenge uh, as of late, although Jund being on top is certainly interesting now that they have Ragavan, et cetera, to lean on.
1: Yeah, I mean, that'll probably swing here and there, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen Jund enough in, to- in challenge top eights in the last couple months to now know that if it's not Tier 1, it's at least Tier 2 or Tier 1.5. I mean, it's it's around. It's doing its thing. It's a better version of the list than they've had in some time, and it seems competitive.
1: Yeah, and I mean, John has always been a difficult deck to play well. It's It has played on a 5% margin, if that. So it takes a very talented player to eke the most out of that
0: 5%. Now, over in this Modern Challenge on Sunday... Whew, this deck that won the won the challenge. Four-color Yorion, and we've certainly seen various iterations of Yorion decks. This one's pretty cute, though. You've got the standard plane, seven Planeswalker package of four three-mana Teferi and three Renin six. And then this is just a pile of value creatures, including a couple we haven't seen in top eight thus far. You've got three Eternal Witness. Don't see a lot of that in Modern. For for Fury, for Fang Quattle, that's been off the table for a while. For Omnath, that's been around. Uh, For Solitude, still doing pretty well out of its MH2 release. And then another Modern Horizons 2 card that I don't think anybody saw as a very likely modern competitor. Titania Protector of Argoth, two copies. This is a Mythic out of MH2. And you can go ahead and put another mark on the chalkboard for MH2 cards that have top-aided in Modern uh, in the first three months.
1: And now, hold on, I'm going to pause you. I don't think it's fair to call Titanium Modern Horizons 2 card. Well, I guess, it, you know what? I take that back. It is. Because while this is a reprint, it didn't start. This was the introduction to Modern. Her- so I'll give it to you.
0: Well, and when, and when this was revealed, this was a reprint from Commander. So people were assuming that this was just a throw-in Commander mythic. Yeah. People were not looking at this like, oh, great. Now I get to run Titania in Modern. I don't think anybody thought that was... Like, likely outside of FNM. This is a 5-mana 5-3 legendary creature elemental, and that matters. Uh, When Titania Protector of Argoth enters the battlefield, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Whenever a land you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 5-3 green elemental creature token. So it's got a bunch of nice little interactions uh, in this deck, given that you're leaning on Yorion and three copies of Ephemerate. Uh, Alongside two Wall of Omens, four Expressive Iteration, four Prismatic Ending, three Counterspell, and four Lightning Bolt, three Abundant Growth, and two Utopia Sprawl in this 80 card monstrosity.
1: It's quite a list. uh, I'm a big fan here of Titania, to be perfectly honest. I think that the card has some real, uh, some fun utility in modern. And I noticed this deck doesn't seem to be playing Scapeshift, but you can do some wild stuff with that and Titania as well. Uh there's some there's some room for her. There's some room for her. I like her coming out of the woodwork.
0: So that's definitely the most interesting list here. Then I mean, in second we've got blue, red, murktide, living ed in third, jund in fourth, Hammer Time in fifth, blue black mill in sixth burn in seventh and jun domain is the other interesting list here just because it's a divergence from what you're used to seeing out of the jun players this is uh four territorial kavu and four tribal flames with three scourge of the sky claves a card that will uh come up in our fourth segment actually
1: <laughs> well that's a shame <laughs>
0: Moving on over to Segment 2, Top Paper Movers of the Week, we've got uh, the Meat Hook Massacre had a real big weekend. Uh, a lot of people talking about how Innistrad Midnight Hunt doesn't have all that much juice. And the thing is that when, if that's the perception, then the vendors and speculators tend to start sniffing around for the cards that actually do matter in the set in question because they tend to hoover up a bunch of the the estimated value and that was certainly the case here with the meat hook massacre i think uh saffron from goldfish put out a uh uh video where he was playing a deck in standard that was running meat hook massacre uh it's one of the top uh cards reported on edh rec so far from the set uh certainly one of the top mythics from the set and if we look at uh total play pattern there you've got something like 920 decks reported 12 percent of all black decks we figure that'll probably fall down to something like five to six percent over the course of a year as the spotlight comes off of it um but it had a huge weekend pretty much all copies of the card were drying up on tcg player on opening weekend which is very unusual and card went through the roof. So even just regular copies went 20 to 28, but the foils, the foil extended arts, all of that was drying up. I was snapping some up overseas in Japan. I think I got eight foil extended art Japanese copies for 25 bucks a piece. Um, Thing is, these are likely to float back the other direction as the heat comes off. The thing is like when you have speculator driven demand early on, we've seen this again and again this year where stuff like... Um, etched foil mystical archives or old border foils from time remastered they have a big opening weekend because all the speculators and vendors get hungry to hoover up some stuff that they think they're going to be able to either flip quickly or stash away for a rainy day and as soon as they've cycled on to the next hype cycle a lot of that stuff tends to you know reverse course and find a lower plateau
1: yeah, I I don't love getting early on this you know on this stuff like this for standard sets standard car. It's, it's occasionally you're gonna hit and it's gonna work out well for you but with the volume of product that gets released and especially with the variety of premium products now I think it really makes it harder to pull this off you know it used to be you know I I can remember like Thunder Mahal kite and um, oh the dragon that we have in our icon our logo. Uh, Storm Breath Dragon? Oh, man. Yeah. Like, you could go after stuff like that, and, you know, you you knew you could pull it off because this was it, right? There's one copy of this card, and if you want to play with it, it'll go up. But now there's so many different variations, of the premiums and what have you, and it just seems like maybe you'll pull it off pre-ordering a standard card like this, but there's so many more factors going on that it's... I don't think it's worth the risk.
0: Well, I think this is much more of an EDH card than it is a standard card. I mean, it's going to see play in right. standard because it's a strong card. But the given where we're at with COVID and, and what have you, we are seeing some standard cards move, like Essica's Chariot is on this list and is having a banner week in standard. Um, but Meat Hook is much more about the EDH play. I think it's as close hey. as we've got to the Great Henge here. If a Great Henge is a 9 on the EDH scale, maybe this is a 7 or an 8.
1: I, don't get me wrong I think Mihook Massacre is very good in EDH but I don't think trying to spec on cards and standard sets for
0: EDH out of the gates is a good idea well and we're going to get to that <laughs> that topic about when you're and, supposed to be getting into this stuff but the thing is that <clears throat> I'll summarize it like this there are, there are opportunities set after set after set to get in early get out quick often that means taking something like 10 to 40% instead of doubling up but you're getting it in such a short period of time that if you can repeat that trick over a long enough horizon, you might be doing better than doubling up. Now, we had somebody report that they sold uh, Foil Extended Art Meat Hook masker for $90 on TCG today. So, <laughs> definitely take those kind of exits when you see them. Take, take the exit when you see it is, is going to be one of the other themes in segment four here. So, moving right along here, we've got Immerwolf out of Dark Ascension. Uh, non foil copies going 3 to almost 5, almost 60% gains. That's on the back of werewolf hype. The fact that this is a uh, uncommon um, that I was picking up in 2016 at a dollar a piece, it's just been sitting around in the bad spec box. And I think you can uh, buy list out of these to Card Kingdom at about 250 or something right now. It gives all wolves and werewolf creatures plus 1, plus 1, and non human werewolves you control can't. Transform. So once your werewolves have flipped, they can't flip back. Uh, both are very good in their auto-includes when you're playing the new uh, Old or whatever uh, EDH werewolves build.
1: Whatever, yeah, whatever that guy is. Whoever he is. Um, Arclight Phoenix out of Guilds of Ravnica, 10 to 16. So this is a, a return for a card, another card that reasonably could... Someone might have mentioned for segment four, although I don't know if I'd count it. Uh, People are... definitely got
0: trapped holding that card. So yeah. all of us that have small to mid-sized stacks of it are like, oh, you just whatever going rate is, just go ahead, out them while you can, because this deck with Demi-Lich and Arclight Phoenix may keep appearing, but it's not in these top eights. Um, yeah. So it's not that much of a you know giant light bulb over the format, in which case... <laughs> sell while the selling is good
1: right so i mean there you go arc phoenix stacks with dummy lich that's why we're seeing price move on that. i mean six bucks for it people are really i don't think the card would have moved in price as much if it weren't for the fact that people remembered that Arclight phoenix has done this three times before and they were excited to see this do something aware of its power
0: one of those rare cards that's been on a serious spec roller coaster yeah
1: wand of Orcus here the three mana artifact from the uh forgotten realms commander product uh legendary equipment uh black when the equipped creature attacks or blocks it and zombies you control gain death touch until end of turn and when it deals combat damage to a player create that many 2-2 zombie tokens so I mean, we're just going to go ahead and give this credit for being zombie hype ahead of Crimson Vow, which should come with a bunch of
0: zombies and vampires. Um, It was also called out in the ProTrader Discord a couple weeks ago, and there's some prominent members that have gone pretty deep on it. So I'm not surprised to see we're down to nine listings on TCG Player with the lowest price being about 10 bucks right now. Total copies 15 or something like that left on the site. And people are going to have to crack uh, AFR-CBs in volume to replenish that, which doesn't seem all that likely right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Relentless Dead out of Shadows over Innistrad, 30 to 48 for the foils here. Again, more zombie hype. But we also know that this is going to be in the new product here. I just saw... Picture floating around not that long ago from the I don't remember what they're called, the double feature. Nope. That this is
0: nope, nope. I I understand why oh. you're confused. Ah, they got the different you. cards. Yeah, but they did. I know why you're confused because it's the same. It's art by the same artist, and oh. and and the whole thing was that endless ranks of the dead shows the zombies pressing up against the stained glass at the chapel, and then yep. relentless dead is they've broken through and this is the zombie that's leading the horde. Yeah. So totally understandable that you would confuse the two. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it'd be understandable so long as like, you're not the type of person who gets paid to talk about magic cards on a weekly basis. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> so yeah, for dead is a mythic uh, from shadows over Innistrad and you for sure could have got these foils for a song not too long ago. And now there's four listings, four copies on TCG player, one at 43, one at 53, and then two placeholders in the 400s. Whew. Well, good luck to that guy. Ah, I, I assume they're messing around. <laughs> uh, we got Gravecrawler out of the dual decks, Blessed vs. Cursed edition. 10 to 20 for a double up. Also a zombie, zombie hype. Esica's Chariot I mentioned earlier out of Cal time This is the uh, equipment that when it's equipped... And it attacks, if I'm not mistaken. It makes two 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 cats or something. Let me just double check the text on it. M- makes, makes cats and then copies tokens. Okay, so when it actually, it's when it enters the battlefield, it creates two green two two ta- cats, which can then combine to crew it, allowing you to attack with a four four, which would then let it attack, creating a token that's a copy of target token you control. So it makes two two. Two, two, two cats which could then become three and four and five and whatever and if you have other tokens then it can do other nasty things people have been comboing this with the new renin 7 because renin 7 makes fat tree folk tokens and then you can use the chariot to double them
1: mm, i knew this was not doubling cat tokens i knew this was doubling something else even though i didn't know what precisely it was
0: yeah renin 7 is is that her minus ability let me just double check it's uh yeah minus three create a green tree folk creature token with reach and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: that seems like a reasonable thing to copy yeah
1: to be perfectly honest
0: solid stuff i think there was 24 copies out of 32 possible in the standard challenge wow that's a lot so eska's chariot seeing a lot of play Uh, Next on the list here, we've got Elish Norn Grand Cenobite out of New Phyrexia. This is the original foils uh, going 120 to dry, basically just drying up up the curve to high 200s, low 300s. And this one goes out to all the people that think that whenever they give us extra premiums of something, it means it's impossible for other copies to go anywhere. Personally, I have found that that can be the case, but that sometimes the opposite is true, including here. (laughs) <laughs> there there have been many foils in this card there has been the original foils in new firexia iconic masters had foils of it modern masters 2015 had foils of it you've got the judge promos that you took a bath on at one point uh and the secret layer drop that isn't even out yet but is currently pre-ordering at high 40s low 50s i'll tell you if that holds that's going to be real funny because <laughs> that drop was sixty bucks a piece. I mean, thirty uh forty dollars a piece.
1: Let's see. Yeah, the market price for the fluorescent ones it says thirty eight, but it looks like the cheapest guy co- yeah copies fifty bucks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, pre order. Yeah, I presume some. Oh God, do I? Does somebody <laughs> will pay two hundred dollars for the original foil of this? I have trouble with that.
0: I don't. It's a big enough card. It's a big enough character. It's a big enough set of bad guys. Like. There's people that really love Phyrexians and like to talk about how they're completing and all that. Yeah, but if you're going to do
1: that, then why, like, the the my problem with this is the original version is not the most interesting one by a long shot. Nor is it a, like, ultra staple, like a Fetchland or something but, like that, right? Like,
0: Yeah, but the thing is that, think about stuff like the, the <sighs> oldest, anything that's the oldest version that's not beta. You know, like Counterspell... The coolest version is probably your. You could run a beta, you know, four beta copies in modern and be pretty swank. But for something like Lightning Bolt, I guess that's also true of Lightning Bolt. For something like Ponder in Legacy, you don't have a super sexy old version really, but people still go out and buy original foils just because that was the original fancy printing, and we're gonna see that over and over and over again that there's going to be people that just go for the coolest looking copy no matter what the price is there's going to be people that go for the coolest looking cheap copy under ten dollars there's going to be people that want the original and the thing is when you're down to two copies on tcg which is currently what's listed you got one at 300 and one at 325 it's a seller's market right like you might only have 18 people a year that care about this card and are looking for an entry point but that's all you need if there's only you and one other person with it
1: I, I mean I I, we've, I feel like we've had this conversation before so there's no point in in relegating too much of it I just I don't know, find it whatever
0: well let's see let's, uh, let's see because we have like sales data let's see what's actually moved you have nearman foil went for 90 on TCG and that's what cleaned this up it was basically like a 90 and then these two hmm. and if we look if we look over on eBay, We may be able to find evidence that this is, you know, not a well-established trend so far. Uh, Yeah. So foil new Phyrexia near mint on eBay is no more than hundred and ten currently. Now, that's not super deep, and it ramps pretty hard. But there, you know, if you if you believe someone will pay over two hundred, eBay's got a couple copies to sell you.
1: Yeah. And I again, it's it's if you're interested in this because it's a cool iconic card. And you want to own the best version of it? It's not the original one. I guess that's my my problem with this. But whatever 20, uh,
0: 22,000 decks on EDH rec. <laughs> I I'd probably be willing to take a take a flyer on a single copy at one hundred and ten and see what happens.
1: Well, there you go. You've got the opportunity.
0: All right, moving right
1: along. Uh, we in in a year when we come back to this segment four we. <laughs> We can see how it went. <laughs> I,
0: I I think it's the kind of thing where if I had 20 copies, it would take a long time to unload them. But oh, I bet yeah. I can. But I bet I can move one copy a year.
1: Yeah, I mean, one copy a year is probably about right. Maybe maybe a little bit more, but yeah. Uh Demi Lick. We are, we we mentioned Demi earlier, right? In regards to Demi Lich. Demi Lich. Demi I'm I'm gonna say Lick, and I'm not positive it's right. No, no it's li- it's say. definitely
0: Lich because it's a Lich. Which is a DD and d character.
1: Yeah, but I, f- I still think that Lick is a alternative pronunciation. Uh, okay. Uh, lick. I just want to say Lick. Okay, then that I mean guess lick. it is. Uh, we were talking about that with the Arclight Phoenix. So, Hulk, the Game Night promo is here. Uh, it's, obviously- not a, it's
0: not a promo. It's from the Green- Game Night Ancillary product that nobody bought. And because nobody bought it, and it's never been reprinted anywhere else. The card is a bajillion dollars. Is that what's going on here? I don't even remember this product. It's it's like a beginner's intro to magic thing with some decks that you can play with.
1: Okay. Well, for those of you who also don't remember what this card is, it's a 7-mana 5-5 five, five zombie with menace. And when it enters the battlefield... Uh, it reanimates X zombie cards from your graveyard to the battlefield where X is the number of opponents you have. That's actually sick. It's <laughs> actually a really good card. A 7 Mana 5-5 five, five zombie that reanimates probably three more zombies when you put it in the play.
0: Yep, pretty solid zombie deck
1: card. <laughs> yeah, I would with more zombies on the way. I am sure. I'm on board. Uh Master of the Wild Hunt out of M10, 20 to 60. For this guy. I mean, the M10 is the original version, but I have trouble with this as well. Um, this is obviously because of the werewolves in the Midnight Haunt. Are the M25 copies this expensive? I'm looking right now. It uh, looks like you can still get the M25 copies at 20 bucks, and there's 20 vendors. So... I mean there might I mean you might be able to get a small premium for the uh the M twenty M ten copies, but I don't think we're talking about those types of numbers.
0: Just sell your werewolves already. Like yeah. this is your window. Don't don't tick around.
1: <laughs> just just do it. Just so, do it and be done with just it.
0: Just get them don't don't try to be the like tenth next price. And squeeze an extra 10% out. Leave the 10% to the next guy as as the saying goes. And just go ahead and get out. Because just ask yourself how many werewolves you sold before Innistrad was announced. And (laughs) that should instruct you. (laughs) Crew and Outlaw, similarly from Innistrad, $1.50 to $5.00. That's a buy list play. I already sent mine in. Uh, Steam vents, we were talking about original shock foils, and here we have steam vents being dried up to the point where it went from one thirty to, in theory, 4.20, which probably just means there's hardly any listed at all. Just going to check what we're looking at on TCG. Um, Yeah, so guild pack foils, near mint. We're looking at two copies listed, 4.50, 4.75. So, it's definitely not a $130 card anymore. Well. Over on... There you have it. Over on eBay. Somebody posted in the Discord a full playset of them. All 10 of the original foils. Near mint to LP. I can't remember. I think they wanted 2,000. And I didn't do the math yet. So no. I'm, I'm, and I'm, no. I didn't check whether somebody bid it off. Um... But there's certainly a price by at which I would be interested.
1: Yeah, that seems prob- probably correct to buy maybe two grand for the all 10. I mean, you're paying $200 a piece. I mean, that might may or may not be better than market, but if you believe, then it seems like a solid choice regardless.
0: Not seeing a lot of action for for this card on on eBay currently, so it's certainly been drained out.
1: Uh, you can pro- you'll probably get somebody to pay three or four hundred bucks for it.
0: Savage Ventmaw, uh, Battle Battlebond foils. I think that's an uncommon as well. Four to fourteen. That's on the back of EDH Dragons. Um,
1: yeah, that is an uncommon, and it was reprinted in the uh, AFR Commander deck as well, which is probably what kind of kicked this off. I remember this looked like a really good... This would have been a good spec if it weren't uncommon initially.
0: And then we've got Grave Crawler foils out of Dark Ascension, 16 to 68. Obviously, that's zombie hype. Uh, and I don't know if you can get 68, so I would just get what you can while the getting's good. Although it's entirely possible we get another uh, a solid zombie commander coming out of uh, Crimson Vow. That could happen. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: I mean... You know, would I be
1: willing to sell my grave collars anywhere north of $40 right now if I paid 16 bucks for them? Sure would, but that, all, that doesn't preclude the printing of a decent zombie commander.
0: I mean, they gave us Will Health the Rot Cleaver uh, in the commander product for Midnight Hunt. Um, that's the three three for two blue black. Whenever another zombie you control dies, if it didn't have decayed, create a two two black zombie creature token with decayed. At the beginning of your end step, you may sack a zombie if you do draw a card. Totally serviceable blue black zombie commander, but maybe we'll get something better in the next set.
1: Yeah, I don't like. I don't think he's better than any of the other legendary zombies that you can play with at the moment. So he's just there, um, but maybe they
0: give us a useful one. Because you're, you're competing with the likes of Verena, Lick, Lich Queen. You, you almost made me do it. Verena, Lich Queen, <laughs> the Scarab God. You got Jisa and uh, Garalf, and Narfi, Betrayer King. Uh, and then Ghoul Caller, Gisa as well. So it's plenty of options.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a fairly deep tribe, I think, in terms of commanders compared to a lot of the other tribes.
0: You got Grim Grin. You used to play Sidisi Brew Tyrant, right?
1: Uh, i did yeah i mean like yeah used used to is interesting what do you define how do you define used to just because uh, you're a dad
0: now so you don't have a life
1: this is you know it's funny uh i this is a hundred percent off topic but i have um found myself with time to socialize and none of my friends will do anything <laughs> yeah that's is, that's another
0: problem of middle age
1: which is agitating it's like friday night seven o'clock i'm like all right let's hang out like i have a window here let's so- do something people are like uh i'm gonna sit inside and play this dark soul 3 mod and i'm like god damn it like do you realize how in- like we don't-, I don't get these all the time like i want to make use of them where i have them
0: yeah 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 you gotta you gotta get into the the, the single person sports to make sure you got a backup plan I've, that's one thing i've learned is in dad life
1: did you say the single player sports
0: yeah like going out on skate I, on my skateboard or my <laughs> or my mountain bike dropping if i was in the
1: single player sports i wouldn't have a kid james <laughs>
0: <laughs> a problem that many many magic players have i'm sure yeah. um miri the cursed kicking off kicking off the top of this list planar chaos foils 10 to 42 it's a vampire it's an old foil blah blah this is, blah
1: this is exclusively being an old foil because you can get the time spiral remastered reprint for a dollar foil. so sure. it's just being the old one
0: all right over on uh, magic online top movers of the week primal adversary is an innistrad midnight hunt mythic werewolf there's pretty some pretty sweet green decks going on in the format that went from 3.73 ticks to 6.29 69 percent gains nice uh, Alveron's Epiphany out of Cattle Time, 3.83 ticks to 7.03, 84% gains or so. Uh, that's the time walk that makes birds, and uh, it's been doing some work in Standard as well. Faceless Haven's been doing work in the green decks, as I understand it, 2.29 ticks to 4.29, $2 gain, 87%. And River Glide Pathway, seeing lots of blue red uh, play in opposition to those decks, 2.09 ticks to 3.88. 85% gains as well. And then the top top mover of the week was Werewolf Pack Leader, which is actually out of uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. Not the first time that they have seeded c- a necessary thematic card in an earlier set heading into uh, a broader release for a, for a theme. And the Pack Leader went from 1.87 ticks to 3.99, so 113% gains there on the back of Standard and EDH Werewolf Usage
1: yeah okay some some fun options there i suppose uh but let's move over here to segment three our cards to watch uh we have a couple uh, a full slate here although i do notice a uh another week with a missing listener pick huh no one doing it for you
0: there was a couple of things that that could have had I had to, a chance to research them we'll probably hand, tackle them in the pro trader discord let people post them in specs channel and get the information out
1: okay uh, yeah so why don't you uh, tell us what we're getting started with this week
0: all right so one of the things you know we for segment four specs gone wrong we asked people to flag mistakes they had made with either specs of their own or times that we as in the, the podcast or, Trader Discord had led them astray over the last couple years. And one of the themes that came up multiple times across multiple specs is this premise of when do you buy a foil extended art or a premium? Um, something, uh, a card that will supposedly be rare, that has a play pattern that will justify it draining out at some point... And then trying to balance whether you're supposed to target it opening weekend as something that is undervalued versus waiting weeks or months and months to, you know, in the case of stuff like uh, Zendikar Rising foil extended arts, there are some un- fantastic deals still lying around. I, I featured Shatter Skull Smashing uh, Mythic Foil ex- Flip Land Mythic uh, foil <laughs> Flip Mythic Foil Extended Arts last week or the week before. Uh, 10 to $12 sitting around, but the inventory is not particularly deep. People called out uh, Thieving Skydiver as something that I called it, like 10 to go to 30 or something um, last fall, and currently you can get them for $4, which hmm. uh, prompted me to run out and buy another 12 because <laughs> that card is not underplayed in EDH. It's getting like 9,000 reported decks in its first year or something. Um... So, all of that being the case, looking at unnatural growth. Now, you and I already talked about this card uh, with Jason and Ellie when we were doing the set review, and it seemed like the closest analog to something like a fiery emancipation from this set, but the, the sticky point is that it's a rare, not a mythic. If it was a mythic, it could easily have done things similar to what Meat Hook Massacre did this weekend. As a Rare, you can get them pretty easily right now around $10. There's 77 listings of the foil extended arts. And if the pressure stays, the ramp's pretty steep right now. And I think this is the, the trap that people have fallen into, including me, uh, multiple times over the last year, where... You see a strong ramp forming, the inventory is not that deep, like anything under 100 listings is usually when I'm willing to start looking at something. And certainly when it gets closer to 50, I really sit up and pay attention. And, you know, these are lying around at 10, but they ramp quickly to 20. The card's seeing solid standard play, and it's going to be, you know, a heavy hitter in EDH because it does something very simple and easy to interpret. It's got great uh, showcase appeal on the floor at your, at your local LGS. It's just an enchantment for five mana that says at the beginning of each combat, double the power and toughness of each creature you control until the end of turn. A lot of different ways to abuse that in Commander. It's got cool art on it, with the giant werewolf chasing a bunch of humans through the streets. And I think this is a good opportunity to start providing a caveat on picks that are early in the release process where i'm going to color code them and provide additional notation that says this is a card that i think can go from the from price x to price y but you might be able to get it at price z later that's even lower than price x so in this case you can get them at ten dollars today if you're sitting the a fire and forget armchair speculator or a collector i don't think you're going to be upset to snap this off at ten the, the most that's going to cost you is probably 4 or $5. Like if we're looking at something like uh, Foil Extended Art Rare Thieving Skydiver, which I expect is, has a similar demand profile a year out to unnatural growth. Growth might be higher, but not by a lot. Um, you know, if you can get those for $4 today, a year later, maybe you can sit and wait for unnatural growths to be 5 bucks. And if you're willing to do that, do that because you're not going to go wrong waiting a year, putting that money to to better use in the meantime, and then doubling back. Just make sure you make yourself a note. Because if somebody hadn't flagged Skydiver at $4 for me in the Discord today, I probably probably wouldn't have popped up on my radar until the end of your review. Um, so that's the call. I think you can get a natural growth to go mid-20s in about 16 months. I don't know what the floor is, but it's somewhere between $5 and $10.
1: I, I so I think that uh, most of this is is pretty good here uh I think the card is very potent and I think it's going to be very successful in EDh I w- was inclined to say all of that and then say but I don't know if now is exactly the right time to buy it um, which we'll talk about in three or four picks from now uh but you know if we're looking at this and saying hey this is a, a good card and there could be a bit of a dip but it's still overall going to be a great choice and you know you can pick it up now or you can wait but either way you know you'll you'll be happy with it in the long term then i'm i'm fine with it uh and i think it's a good choice the, the card itself is is going to be bonkers in popularity i I'm, would imagine um, it's going to be hard for people to resist putting that in their decks for the most part uh depending on what you're playing so i think as a card it's excellent uh, ten dollars for the extended art foils is pretty close to the floor. Um, we might get a couple dollars cheaper, so you can wait. But uh, you know, as long as you're considering that component here, I think it's it's a solid, very solid uh, strategy.
0: All right, what's your first selection?
1: Well, you know, I was thinking about last week when we were talking about these very expensive cards, uh, lands, and so forth, and I mean, we saw the original steam vents up at whatever $400 or some nonsense up above. So I went poking around to see what I could find. And I think the best, one of the better options I found at the moment was Overgrown Tomb uh, Expeditions. So those are $150 right now for those those original Expedition Shocks. Overgrown Tomb seems to be the best ratio of volume of play to cost. breeding pool and fountain and Watery Grave are all more played but are all a good bit more expensive upwards of 200 and 250. So this is a, a decent bit cheaper than those and barely less played. Got about 85,000 EDA truck decks. I think the peak is Watery Grave at something like 95,000. Uh the original pack foil for Overgrown Tomb is 250. There's like 3 of those. So this is a currently about $100 cheaper than that. Uh, you know, if steam vents is a four, $450 pack foil, then overgrown tomb is probably $350 original pack foil, $400, uh, which leaves this expedition copy is basically the next best bet. It's the original, the original premium. And I put in premium quotes as in something other than just a pack foil, um, and we are quite we're a decent number of years away from this at this point. And with a couple more years, well, maybe a couple more months, but probably a couple more years, these could be upwards of two fifty to three hundred dollars and you're buying it at one fifty now. So, you know, if you've got a good chunk of cash sitting around and you just want to throw it in a couple places and fire and forget and not have to play tiddlywinks, I think you could do a lot worse than this.
0: If you like this version as a collector you should put, make a deal on Facebook, get 20 bucks off TCG and pull the trigger. Um, if you're looking for, if you're the, want the fanciest version I can get for cheap, the problem is you're going to have a lot of option. Well, you're going to have the fresh option with uh, when Unfinity releases in Q2, I'm, it's probably April would be my guess, 2022, that new unset that's coming out is going to have Space Shocks where all the shock lands are, located on in outer space
1: those will be cool but i mean we've talked about how the old you know these old premium versions still have fans right
0: oh for sure and i think it's the thing is that this is from definitely from a collector who specifically needs this copy to finish a set or specifically likes this copy and wants to put it in an edh deck that they don't plan to ever disassemble or that you know they can repurpose this so easily into their next deck um i did like this a lot more when it was 70 to 90 dollars in 2018 and i'm sure we talked about some of these at that point um, now that it's in the like 150 to 170 range depending on where you're buying it it's tricky just because you know if it's three or four years to double percentage gains etc cetera, etc cetera. so it is down to 18 listings
1: I, think I mean, I, don't get me wrong. My I, my claim here is not that this is the best velocity of your investing dollars, but I don't think we say that about any of these usually.
0: Well, they, they, there are a variety of options, and some are certainly better than others. The, yeah. I think we're on the same page here. This is this is a collector, long term hold play, and from that perspective. You know, people are going to say, oh, but they're just going to put out more expeditions. Yeah, but they just did that. Like, we just went to Zendikar last year. So we're probably going to take a few years off of that. In the interim, they're giving us the space shocks. Then two years later, they'll give us something else. But, you know, super, super fancy shocks are probably safe for the time being. And there just isn't that many of the expeditions lying around.
1: Okay, so it's, it's, it's the, if you're so inclined to invest in
0: that type of thing, I think that's that's your angle here. All right. Uh, so yeah. my next two picks are the number one and number two Commander uh, by reported deck play patterns on EDH Rec of the last month. Um, and in truth, this first one has been number one or number two since it was released uh, six weeks ago. And the other one has been top five basically since it came out. Now, this is interesting because typically you don't want to call out a commander. It's very rare that a commander, unless they can appear in the 99 for other commanders, um, will be the correct play. Often when you see a commander come out, you want to figure out what are the must-include unique cards that haven't been gotten reprinted in a while, so you can go after those instead. And there was certainly some of that going on around uh, this commander. I'm talking about Prosper Tomebound, the extended art version, down to just 14 listings on TCG Player. And the gaming company, the uh, master cracker of the platform, has 31 copies in stock at $12 apiece. And then you got hardly any in the hands of anybody else, and then a pretty steep ramp up up, up the wall. These don't come out of the Commander decks. These come out of the uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms uh, collector booster boxes. And the EV on those is low enough that I suspect Gaming Company is not going to be cracking more of them anytime soon, if ever. Now... If somebody unloads inventory on them and they get a low enough price on it by buying a lot, then you could definitely see more walls pop up on any over the next year. But it's a bit of a maybe it will, maybe it won't kind of situation. In the meantime, these are draining out. And given that it is the number one most played commander in the last month, with how many decks reported? It was 1,212. 50% more even than the number two ranked commander. Uh, these look pretty good. I suspect that this won't see a reprint for a long, long time. I mean, it just came out. And that probably makes it safe for three to five years. Could be even longer. Could easily see these being ending up being $40 or $50 cards. But just to play it safe, we'll say it's going to go 12 to 26 in the next six months well i mean if this is the absolute
1: best version of this card you can get which it is there's no foils uh, yeah then uh, sure i mean 12 bucks is is pretty cheap the inventory looks good the ramp is good yeah i mean you're right that you don't plow through these cards um but i mean it it has been popular now for a good while here um, and, I mean, it, and it's just a good like... commander like
0: objectively speaking this is this is a good commander um, yeah I, I should clarify that my earlier point that there are no uh, extended art foils obviously since it is also in the commander decks associated with AFR there are foils of it that are like 250 or $3 right um, but even those are and, and that those walls are significantly <laughs> scarier uh, gaming company has 597 copies anchored at $2.59. <laughs> so,
1: uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm checking the the, t- the sell-through here, and it looks like you are um, the last 10 copies span about a week or so, eight days, which isn't terrible. Uh, reasonable sell-through. Man, 15, 15 vendors, though, for those EAs gaming company again with a stack, but that's not going to last forever. You'll, eventually they'll sell through. So. Um, and the fact that you can play this in the 99 as well, pretty easily. I mean, just the fact that when you exile, play a card from exile, you get a treasure token, seems like it'll slot into decks you know, from here forever. Okay. I can get behind this. I, I, I can get behind I'm, this, James.
0: I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger on eight copies right now while I'm thinking about it because otherwise I'm going to forget.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh oh yeah, I think mean, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Alright, let's do your next one. Um, keeping with my theme here, uh Flooded Grove. The Battle for Zendikar. Uh right, Battle for Zendikar, that's what I wrote down. The the yeah, the Zendikar Expeditions, the same thing as Overgrown Tomb, basically. Um Same set. The Flooded Grove Expeditions. Currently $50 for these foils. These are in 20,000 EDH decks compared to the Shocklands, which are like 80 80 to 90,000. So there's uh, a demand difference here. But these are the only good version of these cards, the Expeditions here. Flooded Grove is uh, the the Simic lands are almost always one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive of every land cycle. It's Watery grief uh, it's it's Demir uh, Azorius and Simic always at the top. Um, so Flooded Grove is right up there, and the price is is actually quite competitive at fifty. There are sixteen listings on TCG Player. No one has more than one copy. Not one person has more than one copy right now. So it's not a deep inventory. Uh, you know, you sell through four or five, and you're at sixty dollars, and then they're gone. Uh, in fact, and in, 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 what's interesting here on Flooded Grove is that the original Eventide pack foils are twenty five dollars. They're actually cheaper than the Expeditions. So realistically, you could make a pitch for either one yep, of these. Yep. Honestly, uh, getting your pack original pack foils at half the price of the Expeditions with 10 vendors 10 near mint copies eh, you can see that You, you buy that too either one i think is fine you know i think the average player going to buy a flooded grove is going to get the expedition one if they want to buy a cool copy because they just look cooler and no one really cares about the most players don't care about the eventide pack foil but for those who do it's there So take your pick here. I think either one is a good choice. I wrote the expedition one on the sheet, but uh, if you listen to the cast, you get the free bonus pick.
0: Very similar to my feeded Heath call episode 289. And it's right in the same ballpark. I like this better than the overgrown tomb just because there's more room to grow. This is, you can still get these under 50 bucks. Isn't, isn't that many of them left on TCG and similar platforms. And they're just going to edge up over time. $5, $10 $5, $10 every few months until there's basically none of them left, and then they're going to be seller's market, 150 $200 plus.
1: Now, yeah, I will tell you that I, the original pack foils you can take a shot at, I don't love them. I, I should say the the challenge there is that there are several other foil copies, like normal foil copies of Flooded Grove. They use the same art? Yeah, they use the same art. So there's double masters and masters twenty five. You can get pack, you get foils of those for a lot cheaper than twenty five dollars. Uh, like seven bucks, yeah, eight bucks. So the eventide one is essentially distinguished by the set symbol and the lack of a hollow stamp at the bottom. So just be aware that you're really banking on that original printing if you happen to go that route.
0: Fair enough. My uh, final selection of the week is the second most played commander in the last few months uh, and one of the top five of all time, Attraxa Praetor's Voice at a Double Masters. In this case, I've already made money on the Borderless and Borderless Foil Attraxes that we bought into this time last year, Um, and I don't have a lot of those left. Uh, I think I have some Japanese that I just posted not too long ago, Um, but I'm looking at the just regular Double Masters non-foils here. So these are the ones that you would be getting out of Double Masters booster boxes, not out of the VIP packs. Uh, and this is down to 43 listings near Mint on TCG Player. So you probably have something like 60 or 70 copies total. And you can get copies around $20, ramping eh, modestly up towards 30 But the reality here is every single day, new Atraxa players are deciding to build Atraxa in one of a variety of ways. And, you know, if we just look at sales from today, we've got an LP, four near-mint foils, uh, two near-mint copies. So you've got, like, a solid, steady drain of both foils and non-foils that are just evaporating. And when are they going to reprint Atraxa again? It's already caught two reprints, Uh, Commander Anthology plus no 3 total including the borderless versions i believe um, you've got yeah double masters commander 2016 which is the original the commander anthology and then the borderless versions we got double masters part 2 coming next summer there's no way they're going to print Atraxa again in that set uh, and there's nothing else on the agenda that could that has any real likelihood of including Atraxa it can it will i would imagine at some point be a secret layer card but I think you're probably going to have plenty of time to get out ahead of that. They could announce it tomorrow, but they're just as likely to announce it three years from now.
1: Yeah. I Atraxa could go a long ways without a reprint. No doubt about that. Um, you're definitely looking for a volume play here. Uh, you know, if you're just buying the basic one for, for 20 bucks, but it continues to be unbelievably popular. I, I yeah I, I i mean i agree that the the danger here is the reprint right um but without a reprint you're just gonna keep bumping up and i could see these 40 bucks for that commander
0: ck backstops your play at 12 cash 1560 credit so you got about 75 percent security that helps a lot yeah
1: i think this is i think this is a solid gainer uh, every year so long as you manage again to get past the reprints that's 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 the hook
0: I mean, for that matter, the the backstop on your Masterpiece Flooded Groves is 33 cash, 43 credit. Yeah. Uh, and, and they offer 27 credit on the Eventide lands. Jeez. Um, yeah, so I think these are solid. I think, I,
1: think, I think these will pay off. You just have to be a little bit of a gambler. To get into, you know, just like, do I think that they'll reprint these in the next year or not? Um, and if they don't, I mean, they'll probably be 30 bucks by this time next year. So you really don't have to wait that long to, to come out ahead, I think.
0: Yep. Seems solid to me. So I'm calling 20 to 35 on that 75% gains in, say, 12 months. Okay. Your final selection? Uh,
1: yeah, my last one here is kind of a carry-on from something we talked about not that long ago. Um, about 20 weeks ago, you had picked the uh, Extended Art Foil Scalding Tarn um, uh, from Modern Horizons 2 on the basis that the Extended Art Foils are actually more rare than the Retro Foils based on the way the pack distribution works out, um, which makes them pretty appealing in that regard. Uh, and they also look good. And they're not only do they look good, they're... A more universal, I would say, than some of the other borders. You know, I personally love the retro frames, but not everyone does. But the extended extended art foils are going to fit with a lot of other treatments they've done before. Um, but in any case, you picked the scalding tarn foils at 65, which was a solid pick at the time. They've all come down a little bit since then. Uh, so right now, you can get Missy force and scalding tarn foil extended arts at 45 bucks. Uh, which I had the double. I did a bit of a double take when I saw how cheap they were. Uh, the absolute cheapest Misty Rainforest you can buy, like the dirt cheap, most dirt cheap non-foil copy, is twenty-five bucks. So for forty-five, you can get the extended art foil, which is a lot rarer than normal Misty Rainforests. Uh, again, these are you know whatever eighty thousand EDH deck, EDH rock decks. Everyone who plays any constructed format infinite Misty Rainforest, infinite yeah, blade. right just yeah i don't think you can realistically have a card that has a higher play pattern uh so i think that 20 weeks ago when we talked about them at 65 they looked like a good choice and i'm sure i agreed with you then we have i'm pretty sure we have found the floor here the price graph certainly seems to have leveled off i think that like i can't reasonably see these getting much cheaper right like these aren't going to be 35 dollars i can't fathom no so I, I think grabbing these at, at $45 right now and then hanging out for a yearish, and you might be able to double 80, 90 bucks, seems pretty reasonable here.
0: We've come a long way from me arguing that old border foil scalding turns were $1,000 cards to them being, what, 70 or 80 today? What what are we, what are we getting?
1: Yeah, uh, it's I, I around there. I saw Misty's, I think, were at 70 ish. Uh,
0: scalding turn, foil, old border. 80. However, 56 listings of those. And then looking over at these extended arts, the scalding Turns, 81 listings. And then Misty does look better because there's 64 listings. So you have, you know, 25% less roughly listings, but you can get in at about the same price. That says to me that you're definitely supposed to be buying the Misty Reinforce. It also says that I was definitely early on the scaling Turn call back in episode 277, which was June 22nd to go 62 to 120. The thing is this is gonna be as is so often the case when I'm wrong, it's gonna be about being in too high. <laughs> it's not gonna change the end game, which is still gonna like the sculling term foil extended arts are going to be worth a hundred dollars plus. It's just a question of whether that's six months or three years out from now.
1: Yeah, and and I and I if I did, I did not mean to imply that it was wrong it just was oh no it was
0: totally wrong early it, it's just, it was wrong in the sense of being early for sure
1: yeah yeah which i think is you know in general when we are wrong it is almost always wrong by being virtue of there too soon
0: yeah and i think in part that's because we the format of cards to watch has always been that we're calling at current pricing not predicting pricing for later and forcing people to bookmark the call like we try to give actionable things in the moment. The problem with that is that you can, if you call something that has recently been released, be in too early. And, you know, that's going to be a constant theme uh, unless we switch how we handle that to do what I did earlier on the unnatural growth thing and say your target low here is somewhere around five or six bucks. Um, that said, I would not have predicted that the scalding turn OB uh, extended art foils would get down to 45. I would have said yeah. hmm. I, if, if I was cu- saying mm-hmm. that OBF turns and brain misties will eventually be thousand dollar cards, then in the same conversation, I probably would have said that the extended arts were, I don't know, hundred to $200 or something. The, so 45, Seems very solid to me. Like I don't, I don't know what the timeline here is for these to be a double up. If I had to go on a record right now, I would say it's 16 months. Maybe it's 12 months, but it could be sooner because if if the drain is reasonable, and if we look at the drain inside TCG,
1: almost there's 60 62 vendors on TCG Play right now with the Misty Rainforest EA foils. Now, and... now, the, now
0: the thing to consider is that the vast majority of sales well over 95 percent are the non foils yeah for the extended now, arts
1: what what is interesting is you're absolutely right and which does raise the question of maybe the extended art foils are worth or the extended art non foils are worth buying too but uh it, it almost obscures the data on the extended art foil sales because there's so many in the sold in the last day two days the non foils that like I don't know of any foils that have sold at any other rate. Like, how, how, how like, I don't have any sales data prior oh, no, to you, yesterday.
0: You can load more sales and keep going down the list. Oh, did they add that button? That was not there before. So here's the point I would make. If I look at how the velocity of old border foils versus foil extended arts, it does look like the FEAs are stuck in the middle where they're moving that the, the people that want the highest end version are going for the OBFs. And so I think you could make the argument that you should at least look at the Misty Rainforest OBF, which is currently at, let me just pull that up. Like 70. we in that ballpark. Uh, no, you can get OBF foils at 60. 60. Which seems very attractive.
1: Uh, they They absolutely added that load more sales button, by the way. That is not, has not always been there. But, yeah, it looks like you're getting one to two EA foils a day then. So, uh, which is a pretty good sell-through, I think. That's a, that's healthy.
0: I think the OBFs,
1: though, are like moving that.
0: moving at, like, twice that rate.
1: They're selling th- four a day?
0: No, like, I think you're only moving about one FEA, FEA, and I think you're moving about two OBFs on average, would be my guess, based on the data I'm looking at. Let's see...
1: One on the twenty sixth, twenty-fifth, twenty-fifth, twenty-fourth, twenty-third, twenty-third, twenty second, twenty first, 20th. Like yeah, one to one point five a day. Uh yeah, I mean the OBF foils are solid too. Don't I mean we obviously both really like those and I think we essentially already picked
0: all of that to begin with. So like I'm getting pretty close to dropping another thousand or two thousand in treating these like masterpiece soul rings when they were at their lows uh it is very tempting to do that i don't disagree it feels like we should because it's a longer term play i don't think you could if there's no fast flips in your future because it's going to eke up you know a dollar or two a month as it starts to drain and it can get knocked back by people opening additional MH2 collector booster boxes, think about that—is those are going to start to drain out, and they're also going to be worth a lot of money down the road. Because <laughs> this set, I, I've told people in the Discord that, and it, you know, there's very rarely any argument that Horizons Two is the best Magic set ever. It it has the highest number of powerful staples across the formats that matter right now, which is Modern and EDH. Um, you know we see titania breaking into modern today and that's just like the 26th new modern staple of that set or something like that let's get getting to the point where 40 percent of all the top 50 cards in modern are from that one set pretty ridiculous it's a good it's a good, it's a good uh good set so look at good do- good dog <laughs> We're down to 40 listings for the CB boxes. Lois is at 342. Keep in mind that the Commander Legends ones, which of course had, were at a lower print run and had uh, distribution issues. Those are down to... So it's a bit of an apples and oranges thing, but I just want to double check it because I know it's been real high lately. Collector booster display boxes for Commander Legends with all their foiling problems and everything. They are still sitting at 415. On TCG player. And then
1: it, for, for, for which card again?
0: For the Commander Legends collector booster boxes. Okay. I'm comparing to the MH2 collector booster boxes. As a function of whether it will make sense for the gaming company etc. To be cracking cases of that stuff. And posting product. Um, and it's, it, it's tough to say where that's going to go. But I don't think that the reserves of MH2 collector booster boxes are all that deep. I don't think the average store is going to be able to get their hands on many more. I do believe that gaming company can track down another thousand boxes here, there, or or anywhere, um, given their contacts. So I don't know. I I don't think you have to rush to get in on the OBFs and Foil Extended Arts, but I would be keeping an eye on them. Look for Black Friday sales. Look for TCG discounts. You get a ten percent off, like a ten percent kickback date on tcg player or something some point in the next one to six months it's going to be a good time to be moving on these
1: yeah and i I mean i i don't claim to know when that is uh and I, i i generally try to wait until i have a feel for it before i say now is the time um but i would agree that 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 time will come i just don't know precisely when it is
0: all right Fair enough. Let's move. Let's use that as our segue uh, into this concept of specs gone wrong. We had pinged the ProTrader Discord and gave the membership uh, a chance to drop some stories into the chat record, uh, explaining either ideas of their own that didn't pan out or things that we had recommended on cast or in via information shared in the Discord to put people on a variety of paths. And just going to take a look and see some of the stuff that they posted and talk about why things worked or didn't work and how, you know, some try to provide some analysis as to how to maybe adjust our thinking based on some of these results. One of the ones that was brought up was non-foil hull breacher EAs back in February of 2021. Uh, One of the members said they were in around 37 Said uh, they remembered it as being a cast pick, which it may well have been, um, and said could have been obviously been a lot worse if I'd gone deeper. Seemed like a solid pick at the time. Then it got banned, and now those are apparently going for five dollars. So total blowout. Now the thing I would that's worth flagging there is that A wasn't super obvious. Hullbreacher was going to get banned, uh, and when you have a bit of a surprise ban because Hullbreacher was obviously one of the more broken cards they have printed into that format in years, but there's lots of other broken things going on in the format. Like the format supports Gaia's cradle. So did Hull Breacher really need to go? Keg said yes. So it's,
1: it's, it's, uh, it's crime was not being overpowered, but being unfun and
0: overpowered. Sure. I mean, here's the thing. Remember the comment earlier about clock your exit, right? The, these took off so hard, so fast. There was a three-month period before it got banned where you could get out. Hullbreacher was banned on. It was banned on <sighs> July twenty twenty one. So it was more than three months. Yeah, huh. several months. And there were solid gains to be had along the way there, including some early spikes. Um, but you also can't really hold yourself to the flames over something that catches a ban when it was entirely possible that it would have dodged that for a long period of time.
1: Yeah, Hull Breacher was... Let's see, I think, you know, but at, at the top here, I just want to say that I think... That the the trend that I saw in browsing all of these bad picks was not that they were bad choices. It's just for whatever reason it didn't pan out correctly. That could be because meta shifted, cards cards got banned, uh, things just didn't get taken up as much as we roughly anticipated. There's a real difference between. Making the right choice with the right info with the information you have, but it not working out for exterior reasons that were close to unpredictable versus making the wrong choice with the information you have, which I don't see nearly as much of, really, at all. When I'm browsing through these cards, people are pointing out, um. And one of the ones, for instance, that jumped out at me was someone was talking about Goblin Engineer, right? Goblin Engineer? Yeah. No, that's the old one. No, Goblin. goblin. No, Welder is the original one. Yeah, Goblin. Goblin Engineer Engineer looked ludicrous. And I still stand by that, that that card looked really, really powerful and has not ended up as good as you might have wanted it to be. Uh, But, you know, with all the information we had, that card sure looked really good. Okay,
0: but here's the thing. Golden Engineer is good. The card is not bad. It's not unplayed. It's not a case where where we flagged a card that we overestimated. It's in 14,000 reported decks in less than two years. That's 4% of all red decks. That's very solid. That's a staple. What, what happened to it was it is in a set where a lot of the EV gets drawn into bigger ticket items like Ren and Six and Force of Negation, Archmage's Charms. Um, the uh, filter lands, etc. I mean, not the filter lands, the uh, sack lands, uh, and a bunch of the other goodies that are in that set. But then the real thing that that hampers, for instance, the foil goblin engineer some MH One is that it caught the reprint in Timespire remastered, and then and then caught uh, etched foil in Modern Horizons Two just two months later, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even blame the yeah you got the, the etch foil reprint because it was already pretty flat by the time we got there.
0: But you know that that's an outlier. A, a card like that, where it's kind of like a mid tier card, and they print it three times in two years, that's not the norm. That's no a thing yeah. that could happen that we need to be aware of, but that will typically not be the case. I mean, they didn't do you know. You could pick a bunch of other rares from not Modern Horizons one, and you don't have three versions two years later.
1: So yeah, which is which is why I said I don't think it's a bad pick. I think that it's it was a fine pick that you got unlucky with.
0: Well, and you know, the, this guy said he had four EA Hull Breachers. I have two hundred Goblin Engineer, <laughs> and, and I got them real cheap, but. The, <laughs> And I'm sure that I will end up by listing them three or four years from now. It'll be like a 50% gain over five years or something like that. And I'll pull them out and it'll be totally fine in the end. But for now, they're sitting in the dead specs pile. So I do feel your pain on that one. Um, back, back, if, back to the Hullbreacher. I would just want to go through some of what actually happened. Hullbreacher. Just... Late November 2020. Hull Breacher EAs are down to $21 by February 21st, they're up to 40. Card is not banned until July. It's pretty steady in the high mid-high 30s through that whole period. So he had an exit, he just didn't take it, right? Like he said he was in at 27 and could have got out at 40 minus fees. Might It's not a super impressive result, but if along the way you thought that it had ban potential, Oh no, he said he got in at thirty-seven. So and in February, but the thing is that February—I mean, depending on when he got in in February and when the cast call was made, it could have been climbing uh, up from that twenty-one. People that got in early or cracked product definitely had their exit. Him getting in at thirty-seven, he kept seeing the price being oscillating within two or three dollars of what he bought in at, and he got stuck. could could yeah. could he have flagged along the way that it was probably gonna get banned? I don't blame him for missing that I think almost everybody did
1: yeah I mean hall breacher was
0: we we didn't know for sure uh consensus was it was a bannable card, but there's so many other cards in a similar boat
1: yeah yeah i I don't really blame anyone for for having banked on it not happening plus you know we're here to have fun so. Gamble, no gamble, no future. Let's talk
0: about a meta shift example. How about the foil Tassigers?
1: Oh, yeah. So, shout out to the, I don't remember who it was or how many copies he had, but I think I have like $700 worth of foil Tassigers that I bought at a much higher price than they cost today. Because that card looked really dang good for quite some time. Uh, and I was convinced, I think they were like 10 or 15, maybe 20 when I bought them. It was like, yeah, like these are lighting up modern. They look really good in, in legacy as well. And, you know, I, I don't remember how much we talked about EDH back in the day, but they looked pretty solid and now they're like a dollar. So that's a bummer.
0: So if you look at Tasiger foils from, it's basically just this huge downward trajectory from the mid-2000 teens down to about July of 19, uh, uh, June or July of 2019, where they hit about $5 and then just kind of sit in between $3 and $5 from there on out. And then, of course, the, this is another example of a card that they gave us the reprint on in Time Spiral Remastered in the old Border version. And they coughed it up. It was also an Ultimate Masters box topper. With excellent art, by the way, and those foils go for fifteen dollars. So it's gonna be pretty tough for people that got in on regular foils at twenty bucks. But it's important to understand what happened there. Like Tasker was doing a lot of work in Standard Mm -hmm. in in that season, and it was starting to creep into Modern, and it was seeing play in EDH. And I would I would bet that Tasker's EDH numbers are pretty solid, right? Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know off the top of my head.
0: As a commander, almost 3,000 decks, and outside the 99, or in the 99, just 1,200, so not particularly solid. Um, but at the time, it seemed like a tri format card. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have Murktide printed yet. Uh, Delve creatures were few and far between, and it would, you saw decks running combinations of and then one or the other of Tasigur or, or Gurmag Angler for some time. And I remember buy listing Gurmag Angler foils at one point and making some money. Mm-hmm. Um, there were certainly exits early early on in Tasigur, and I think stores made a lot of money flipping Tasigers through the buy list process 2015-2016. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I think my plan was uh, I'm going to... Make a make an investment in a card that looks really good. I'm gonna put some some real money into it, and this is gonna hit well because uh, this card is excellent. It has all the great number. It looks great in every format. And even though it's kind of pricey, that's okay because it's going to get more expensive. It's going to get more popular. It's gonna get bigger. And then I don't know exactly what happened, but that didn't, and now it sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and the and the thing with those is. If something, if you have a stock, a card or whatever that goes, you know, you got in at 100 and it drops to six you, and you can get three on the buy list, you may as well just hold on to it. If it goes 100 to 60, those are different opportunities. That's, that's where you can recoup enough of the capital to make it worth your time to go through that process. And then repurpose it in theory to something that's actually gonna have greater acceleration. And that's that's an opportunity that people skip far too often, where they don't wanna take a loss. But the thing is, if you see a win on the horizon and you feel much more confident about that win, repurposing, you know, that sunk capital, if the exit is available via buy list or you know, you can get out minus 40% and then start rebuilding, you should do that. Like, you, you have to get comfortable with taking the losses. You can't win all the time. I have. Never. I've. Never. I, I could spend four hours going through my bad specs box here and we wouldn't run out of things to talk about. The key is that I win way more than I lose. And when when, when I feel really good about something and it feels like a 10 out of 10 op, I'm not scared to go deep um, and buy 25 masterpiece soul rings or whatever. The he's got some other good stories that are worth taking a look at. He said he bought an array of 40 foil Eldrazi, uh, thought, not Seers, reality smashers, matter reshapers, Eldrazi mimics, and Eldrazi displacers all post eye of Ugin ban in early 2017, but they all went nowhere but down or totally flat after four to five years at from initial buy-in despite Eldrazi being played in modern, even the strongest of them TKS because it's played in Eldrazi Tron, uh, hasn't budged more than 20% in four years, still sitting on a stack of a dozen foil Tks just waiting, waiting. I mean that's I talked about foil Tks and reality smasher last week and, and settled on reality smasher as my pick just because the uh, the red deck interesting red deck and modern had popped up and the uh, reality smasher foils were available at nine dollars and there was only 18 listings left on TCG. So it's another one of these cases where something fell out of the meta and just got shunted to the side for a period of years. And people are still buying the card, but there's no like, like strong impetus to magnetize uh, a bunch of people buying foils of the card uh, until this red deck shows up. And if the red deck disappears again in two weeks, then those Rally Smasher foils aren't going to go anywhere. So, you know, the understanding the play pattern and what the risk profile is of the play is important. And that's why I say things like, you know, werewolves are hot this month. Sell those werewolves. Whereas something like a steam vents guild pack foil, I don't think you need to be in any rush to sell that. You could just sit on that and collect 10 to 20% returns per year for some number of years before it hits its eventual peak.
1: Yes, yes. I, I Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's a, a fair way to approach it. I. Sorry, I'm just I'm just reading through the rest of the Discord here and, and finding all the the answers that people are putting in, and, and overwhelmingly, I'm just like these aren't bad picks. They're just picks that didn't didn't turn out the. that they were very reasonable with the information you had at the moment, um, which is good, right? Like that's good that that's what I'm seeing as I'm browsing through here because people are making reasonable decisions and i've seen that they're blaming themselves like for not knowing the reprint the one guy i talked about the reprint cadence and it's like but you you're not going to know that like that's not it, it's not on you it, they're like the oracle Multi went forever without reprints and then they print goblin engineer three times in two sets like it
0: and and i don't and i think reprint cadence is probably uh, a piece of the logic here that's worth exploring a little deeper because though we are certainly in the era that has the greatest number of reprints we're also in the era where they're printing the greatest number of new cards. And Mm -hmm. we're in the era where we're automatically today and then tomorrow and then the day after that is going to be the time where Magic has the most number of total cards. And so we've talked about this before, about how as the game gets larger and larger and larger and larger, like eventually if this keeps going, this is going to be like a game with 200,000 game pieces. Like no one's going to know them all. And so... To say that there is a intensified reprint cadence is true, but not so much in the context of the backdrop that there are way more cards in need of reprint. And, right. and it's not just a function of how many, how many sets they're putting out or how many cards are in each set, going from 15 to 20 mythics in a set. All of these things are true. But it's also that the advent of EDH over the last decade has added an entirely new demand profile to the game. Like, you've added millions of players playing the game in a different way, so you need different... Like, you're going to have a different swath of cards. There was a time that, you know... Anybody who started playing Commander in the last three to five years probably wouldn't really... uh, This wouldn't resonate with them. But for old folks like us that have been playing for, you know, a generation, the... the, You know, there was a time when the only things that were going up were standard cards oh yeah all that mattered was what was getting played in standard that week there was still you know people were buying and selling duels and back black lotuses were changing hands for a thousand dollars and whatever but that was on the collector side of things and it was so minor from the average shop's perspective versus the standard action
1: man if you want to go back and talk about the good old days which for me is the original Zendikar through, I don't remember exactly when that dried up, but like the bread and butter was watching the block pro tour that they had uh, every summer and then using that to feed your spec picks that you would load your trade binder with over the course of the summer and in anticipation of the fall. It was buying, it was trading for the land. Notice I'm saying trading, uh, trading for whatever the current set of lands were that had been printed in the fall set knowing that those would come out, uh, and double and triple in price next fall when the new land cycle came out and people doubled back and needed the old ones and they weren't as readily available anymore. Like that was what you did. I just flipped standard cards all the time. And then, uh, modern, a little bit modern grew, of course, uh, you know, and you could sometimes get it at your angle, but yeah, standard was where it was at, man.
0: Watch the Star
1: City results on the weekend, and that was what you were doing.
0: Well, I have this other big shift in the analysis profile for Specs. Is this whole fall rotation doesn't matter as much right now? Like it it was. I didn't even think about it. It it was already (laughs) mattering less, but then during COVID, it basically doesn't matter at all. You know, there's. Yeah. We used to write article. Articles would be fired off like clockwork from everybody in the industry about what to pick up now that you know such and such is rotating out. That's going to get real cheap as the standard mm-hmm. players dump it. That's just a total non-factor right now. Like I'm sure there are still relevant trend lines that are, that the vendors that deal that buy less day to day pick up on. And st- there are still they could somebody you know could flag a prominent vendor. And they could probably say oh this this and this that actually still did happen this month but it's nowhere near as big of a deal and it's not something i'm even remotely leveraging to make money right now the um, yeah. here's here's a good example sealed product is a thing that comes up gets discussed to death in the pro trader discord because we have tons of of sealed product group buys and you know we often have some of the best prices on the planet but people some often have unrealistic expectations uh, about what that is supposed to be for or mean or be targeted at or you know how that is likely to work out. And I think the easiest way to go about to look at sealed product is it tends to be a long-term hold. It also tends to be a lottery ticket, especially in the era of collector booster boxes. Sure, you might pull a foil-extended art jeweled lotus. You also might pull nothing. Uh, Modern Horizons 2 collect is a is you know like i said the best set of all time so those cbs are going to open a lot better than say theros beyond death and this guy was talking about that he bought four cal time collector booster boxes at 216 per to crack and sell singles this was after he was on a string of luck from box openings uh of core set 2021 and the double masters vip boxes he thought he was potentially shifting to a new model of early cracking and selling but he learned a hard lesson there and th- and he's probably facing two things one the set wasn't that good meaning that it the ev of the set was fairly similar i think probably to Innistrad midnight hunt in that it it was a theme driven set that didn't necessarily have a lot of heavy hit multi format heavy hitters and it, it didn't crack that well. Now, there is an opportunity, and we see this mostly with TCG direct vendors, but also if you're very well established on eBay or on Facebook, you also often have these opportunities. If you can get your sealed product as cheap as possible, preferably from a distributor, but otherwise through uh, ProTrader, buys or something similar, and... You you get it right up front, like within the first few days of first week of release, let's say, and you get your inventory out there either through uh, pre selling some of it or listing it immediately after you get your hands on it and crack it. You can eke out a 10 to 30% margin and with quick flips from the hottest cards in the set, recoup your money and have more to repurpose on the next thing. However, not everybody is set up to execute in that way. And if you're not set up to execute in that way, that is probably not what you want to be doing. Like as a collector, as a player, collector booster boxes are fun to open. Go ahead, open them. That's, you're doing much better with those than going to the track or playing roulette or scratch tickets or pro line or whatever. But it's still a lot, basically a lottery ticket. And if you don't, wouldn't, if you wouldn't be comfortable absorbing it into your collection, if it doesn't open well, then you probably should keep it sealed or just not go after sealed product at at all. Um, Or be very, very picky in what you go after, looking for things that, you know, we were talking in the Discord today about how the collector booster boxes that tend to do, give the greatest uh, margin for opportunity, especially up front, are the ones that are uh, contain an unknown quantity. So, for instance, with Time Spiral Remastered, uh, it wasn't a mass market product. It was only WPN network and there was less of it around. Commander Legends, of course, had distribution issues, so those those CBs soared right off the bat. Throne of El Drain CBs got very scarce up front because it was the first time they ever had that product and and vendors did, were nervous about ordering it, so they didn't There wasn't that much of it in the first wave of release that was actually present in the market. And so opportunities like that can open up gaps. Ditto uh, Modern Horizons 2. The EV in Modern Horizons 2 was through the roof. And that lasted for like a couple of weeks. Um, Even with how much of it was being opened, because there were so many good cards that people had clocked and the market had ascribed ridiculous values to them. And those opportunities can leave the gaps where you can drive through early and often but for the armchair speculator for the person who doesn't move fast and furious who isn't flipping constantly you're you mostly got to look at steel product as something you're going to buy hold on to for a year or two and then exit for relatively modest gains you know some of the best opportunities in the last year would be you Know Commander Legends CBs being good for plus 100 plus 150 dollars a box without having to actually crack it and sort it and list it and whatever. That's going to be your cleanest entry exit. You've got, you know, we did uh Crucible of War flesh and blood boxes at a hundred bucks a box, and then people were selling them for five, six, seven hundred last winter. But you can't expect that every sealed product you touch is going to perform like that, and it means that you got to get picky, and you got to get nimble if you want to be looking for fast clips.
1: Yeah, I mean, seal. I don't. I don't know where people got the idea that sealed product was phenomenal, and I wonder how much of it comes from Rudy, because isn't that one of his gimmicks? Isn't he big on sealed product? Uh. I, I want to say he is. Well, I mean, I
0: think it's I think it's part partially that we're in the area era of premium magic, where some big money has been made on some premium products like Mythic Editions. The first wave of Mythic Editions, if you were contacting people at GPs and having them snag them for you, and then flipping them online, you made good money. Th- <laughs> Throne of Eldraine Cbs made good money as a fast flip. Uh, you know, commit, as I said, Commander. Commander Legends Time Spiral Remastered if you picked up on the uh, mystical archive set versions being worth extra money if you were in early on the Japanese War of the Spark Planeswalker foils you made good money and so people know that those opportunities exist and i think sometimes they just have trouble parsing in the moment and it ends up looking so obvious in hindsight 6 months later but they didn't you don't really know whether you're staring at a, you have five minutes to get in and out here, or this is a surefire hit, or this is going to be a flop, and part well, part of the problem is that a lot of these orders go down before people even see the sets, right? Like we'll we'll take a pre order on something anywhere from two weeks to three months before preview season.
1: Yeah, uh, except I mean a bunch of those things that you listed weren't um, still product. Some of it was, but not all of it. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you also mentioned that it was the the era of premium magic, but also wasn't the first Mythic Edition, like twenty
0: thirteen <laughs> or something like that. Like, but my no. point being that it's a no. But the what year was it? Like twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen? No, 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 no. Twenty seven. No, it's, mm, no, no, it's got to be twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen because oh, War, I'm, think, I'm thinking it's because War of the Spark I, was the third one.
1: I'm thinking San Diego Comic Con. Oh yeah, Sorry. I'm not
0: talking about those. That's what I'm thinking about. Um, although, although those those are part of the like that actually belongs in the conversation because some of those SDCC sets made people a ton of money. Um, did it with FTVs, right? Like FTV Realms, FTV uh, Relics, etc. With the foil mox diamonds, the you know there some of that product made people a ton of money, and some of it people got stuck with thirty copies of FTV Angels. <laughs> uh is that
1: even bad Is that bad returns right now i don't know from the ball angels box i feel like all these are probably that's 150 bucks now. bottom
0: line people should be buying magic sealed product first and foremost for their pleasure or to make money in specific ways that work with their operation so if yeah. you're if you're a tcg direct player and you're planning on cracking the wednesday night before the release weekend you're probably going to do fine with mo with most products and you you go deeper or less deep based on your feel for what how the set seems to be playing out during previous season and for everybody else you're, you're either hold you know be be picky and plan to hold for longer or or look yeah, else i i will say
1: that you know for the average listener here uh you're probably supposed to mostly ignore sealed product i think that's my my take on it is that it's easy to uh, think that it's gonna turn out really well um and and highlight and notice all of the really good examples but you'll also forget all of the very bad outcomes or the outcomes that are just mediocre uh, so in general, I think that you just, you can't assume for the most part that it's going to work out in your favor, or it's not going to be the type of returns you're hoping for probably. Um, and like you said, the, the delay on when you actually get paid out on those can be very, very long. So, uh, I, I caution extreme has it, uh caution, I caution, extreme caution, extreme prudence when trying to invest in sealed product and for what it's worth i still have sealed product that's very old that i never got around the selling because like i still don't know if it's worth it like i have japanese kanzitar gear boxes and eternal masters and some other odds and ends like that that have just been sitting collecting dust i mean you, you've just you like, definitely
0: missed some exit ramps there though Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say the opportunities. EMA e- 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 M- A- and, and KTK both already had their exits for sure. Well, but yeah, if you don't, if you aren't, so it's easy to say, oh, you
1: should, and I I mean, I'm not saying that I didn't make mistakes or, or wasn't lazy. That's not the point I'm going to make here. My point is going to be It's easy in retrospect a lot of times to go, oh, well, you should have just sold it here at the peak. But that's like signs to say, oh, you should have just sold your Bitcoin at the peak right here before the dip. Like you don't know where it is until after it's happened. So sometimes it's really obvious where that's going to be. But a lot of times it's not. And unless you're clairvoyant, you're going to get it wrong sometimes.
0: I mean, I agree. I agree with that as a generality. Um, but I think that there are, I mean, the whole point of exploring the subject matter in detail, um, as a group, as a content team, et cetera, is to tell people, give people good information about when and where you go deep on sealed product, when and where you should get, you know, choose your exit ramp. That's a big part of the benefits of ProTrader Discord is that people can alert each other to opportunities. Um... You know the lowest price on a KTK box on TCG player is like two hundred bucks right now. (laughs) So
1: was that? But what? Okay, what is it for a Japanese one?
0: um, The lowest is one seventy. Yeah. So I mean, I'm assuming you were in under a hundred dollars on those. So.
1: Yeah, I bought them in Japan, so I was probably paying like seventy bucks for them or something, sixty bucks. And then Eternal Masters. I mean, the, the, these boxes are, you know, they're just whatever. They're four hundred and fifty. Yeah, I probably paid like two, two twenty or something for those. I want to say somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, it's I, I don't know. I, I, I think about when I think about bad specs. A lot of the cards that have been outlined here were fine choices, but I feel like sealed product is frequently a bad choice. It's so expensive. And if you don't hit the exit correctly, it's very easy to
0: get stuck for years with, like, a lot of money tied up in that. I, I've never... Which is why I don't like I, it. I feel like we got some loose talk going on here. The something Saying something is expensive is irrelevant. What's relevant is what is the percentage return and what is the uh, time requirement to exit. No, no. I disagree with that completely
1: because expensive matters for people who have limited budgets. Sure,
0: but that's not, I mean... <laughs> that's not who well, not that's who we're, not you or i no that's not who we're addressing here we're talking about people that oh. speculate actively on magic cards if they if they're yeah. in a position to spend a thousand dollars a set on sealed product then budget is not the issue
1: well i sure but i mean i can talk to people beyond just the active members of the discord right like the when and i've seen a couple people who talk about the one guy talked about losing momentum because he's he ended up having to sit on the cards for a period and then sell them and break even and it just like that was a huge chunk of money that he wasn't doing other things with uh so clearly he had some volume of cash that he was working with and it, once it was out he was out and he had to wait till he could recoup it per-
0: personally i can't imagine not specking on sealed product and i think that if you're an active speculator it's a valid choice to go in whatever direction works for you but there are Tons of opportunities in sealed product. You just have to know what you're doing and pay attention and be judicious in deciding what you want to go in on and when and where and why. Here, here's a great example. This is the worst group buy we've ever had in the Pro Trader Discord. So we talked about how we had Crucible of War, Flesh and Blood boxes available through our group buy at pretty much the lowest price anywhere in the world. If if there was a price. Any lower than than we had access to last fall on dozens and dozens of cases, it was within five dollars uh, a box of what we paid. The exits were five times, six times. There were seven times exits reported by the Discord members where they they were in and out within three to six months from hundred dollars a box to four, five, six, seven hundred a box. So $400 cases turning into $2,500 sales in a very short period of time. So what 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 was the what happened <laughs> when the next set got booked? And it came out, the group buys came out and we had slightly worse pricing. I think it was like 120 box or something like that. Pretty reasonable given how that trend line was going for that particular game. And then those boxes were out in the market relatively early, anywhere from... 175 to 275 depending on timing and who you were getting them from etc still a very feasible reasonable exit in a very short time frame where people could make 25 35 45 returns very quickly quick flips so now they've had two successes but the trend line on how easy it is to be successful is clearly pointed down and then they announced that there's another flesh and blood set coming out september 2021 talking about tales of aria which at the time Uh, had a different code word associated with it. I think it was kingdoms or something like that. And one of our vendor partners in Europe says, we'll sell you boxes, sure, at volume. But with these things being potentially $500 boxes, we're not going to do a price lower than whatever it was, $200 or $225, something like that. Let me just bring it up. Had it in front of me moments ago. It was... Flesh and blood cases are four boxes in a case, not six like magic. And we paid in this particular group by. Yeah, it was about two fifty a box, and it was a little less if you got multiple cases. Um, and we said at the time, understand what you're getting into here. you you're gonna have to pay six weeks from now. I think this deal was arranged in May and they had to pay by end of june if i'm not mistaken and the product didn't come out till september and nobody knew it was in the product so it's a pure greed play right this is people that had either already made a bunch of money on flesh and blood or they were hoping to get in on that action and they're facing a retailer a, a, a proposed price from a retailer that is like four times wholesale and a bunch of the pro traders went deep got a case got two cases couple grand in and this week when the product released there was boxes as low as on tcg player i think 115 a box
1: and i'm sorry what did you say you guys were paying for box i missed
0: 250 was that the one i bought it on Uh, are you on this list no i think you were on the one before that yeah i don't see you on this list i think you were on the what the one in the spring for Monarch. Ah, nice, <laughs> nice. That sounds right. Nice escape. So yeah, that's rough, right? Because like we, we pride ourselves on making people a bunch of money on these group buys, or at least getting them the lowest cost access to things that they want. And to have a group buy where we clearly the price price tag was just way too much, you have to look at that and think, you know, what went wrong here? And I think it, what what went wrong is pretty simple: right. it's greed, right? Yeah, say it was, you feel like you already hit the nail on that on that one. <laughs> If you're buying product months ahead of time, you have no idea what's in it, you don't it's a brand new game and you don't even know what's whether people are gonna be playing it come the fall, plus you had COVID going on. We did warn people up front, you just had to understand you're rolling dice. And unfortunately those dice came up snake eyes. Now, are those gonna be snake eyes short term only? Well, that remains to be seen, right? Because how it really depends what happens with flesh and blood mid to long term it could be entirely true that they're still going to get a double up within two years it could be true that their correct play is to take a 50 percent loss and flip them in the market right now yeah uh yeah lowest price right hmm. now is 120 on tcg player
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah i i'm definitely of the opinion that uh i don't know what am i of the opinion of That Flesh and Blood specifically is a very new game, and the future of that is not settled. Uh, Do I think that that big GP that they had recently looks good? Sure do. Uh, For Flesh and Blood's future, do I think that it's
0: guaranteed that this is going to stick around? Nope. So... And that's the thing. You, I think you, I think the key the key lesson from the flesh and blood aria group uh, is that you have to match your commitment to your risk profile. Like if that was the only 1000 you had to invest for 6 months, I and somebody had told me that and asked me what to do, I would have steered them away for sure. Cuz no. Like, that was always risky. It was risky. I don't, I don't want that out of my head. But, yeah, and the first group by last fall was risky. Like, yeah, it worked out amazingly, and the next one worked out okay, but none of that was guaranteed. We had no idea what any of us were getting into. Most of us had never played the game at that point.
1: Yeah, I would say of all the stuff that I have seen come and go in the Discord, the Flesh and Blood product is definitely was the highest was the closest to cryptocurrency you got? Oh, no. There's another, there's an o- other than raw cryptocurrency. Well, there's another, but, there's another game time. out there
0: that's being, that's under discussion. What's it called? Uh, Metazoo. Metazoo has first edition boxes that are, that were going for ridiculous premiums recently. It's just like a, like a Pokemon clone, um, that's trying to capitalize on that whole nonsense. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, and, and there's also been massive swings in value of high end collectibles in video games this year in pokemon stuff this year and th- there's all sorts of shady behavior going on in the industry where you've got consolidation of control and assets and auction uh, capabilities all under the same roof where you, you have this you know scandals are coming out left right and center so caveat emptor right like buyer beware you you have to understand that nothing is for certain and I think the biggest knock honestly against sealed product just generally, if you're planning on cracking the sealed product is that cracking like you buy something for 200, you crack it, you get two seventy five, but you had to spend five hours handling all that. Yeah. You didn't make anything that that's the that's the thing about op- opening your sealed product versus versus selling it sealed. you know the well, the yeah. cleanest, simplest thing is to reject 75% of your sealed opportunities, go deeper on the ones that are obviously good and flip it sealed. I mean, that for most people, if we're talking about most people, I don't think the correct advice is most people should avoid sealed. I think the correct advice is most people should be very careful about when and if they get into sealed and understand what their exit strategy is don't just you see a bunch of people buying something don't just jump in and buy metazoo because other people bought metazoo don't just run and buy a meme stock because everybody else is dog piling on if you haven't done your research take a step back take a deep breath and figure out what's going on could be you can just use that as a learning opportunity and you can dodge a bullet
1: i so I think the difference here is that you're speaking to the Discord and I'm speaking to everybody. No,
0: I'm, I, I believe that the vast majority of our listeners mimic the Discord.
1: Uh, you're right. I think they do. And I think that's where they get themselves in the trouble, because if you don't have access to a knowledgeable, educated community who can really talk through this stuff and figure out collectively when entry points and exits are it becomes much more dangerous um so i think for people who are not a member it doesn't have to be our discord even but if you don't have that sort of network that you can work with and bounce ideas off of and discuss things and have someone to go hey did you forget about x and you can go oh god thank you for reminding me um i think sealed product is generally more likely to be a trap than individual cards uh but again that's for people who are not part of a community like the price discord once you're in the price discord it becomes just like more expensive cards uh because you have a stronger network for a product that could be a dead weight but doesn't need to
0: be all right let's see if there's something else in in this list of uh instances that's a little different from some of the others i guess some of them are people that went in on bricks of cards that they thought were underrated uh the danger there of course <sighs> is that you're trying to outthink the market and even so, even if you're right if no one else agrees with you the card's not going to move so, yeah, th- those are good ones. Those are good ones to be wrong about and I just
1: I felt like I didn't see any of those in here.
0: Well, there's this guy talking about he bought uh, uh, Elspeth's Nightmare or something. Yeah, 170 Elspeth's Nightmare at uh, 0.2 euro. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that's an uncommon. It is an uncommon. Yeah. So, the thing is that there are opportunities to make money on uncommons in almost every set, but you have to figure out which uncommons are going to see the most ridiculous play patterns. Like, I got in on FOIL expressive iterations opening weekend at $1.25 when Strixhaven was released, and I'm selling them for $10 a piece, play sets for 38 There's good money to be made there, and it's in very short time frames. But, and you, and that also under, uh, often assists cracking things like collector booster boxes because there's usually one, two, maybe three uncom- money uncommons, and you tend to get, you know, a decent handful of those out of those boxes, and that can contribute anywhere from five to twenty dollars to uh you know the 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 value recoup um from that sealed product. But the getting back to the original point, don't try to outthink the market. Um You can be ahead of the market, but make sure that your logic is going to end up being realized by everyone else. So a good example of that is just, you know, being aware of forthcoming themes. So people that realize Innistrad is going to be Innistrad. It's going to be vampires and werewolves and spirits and zombies and started buying that late spring, early summer. Those people are all doing very well right now. If you're thinking ahead to Kamigawa, you're thinking ninjas and probably some more spirits, there aren't as many targets there, but if you get the right stuff, you're still going to do well. But don't try to pick the, you know, 49th most played uncommon in a set and be like, oh, it's really good in this one thing. If just this, or if they print this thing that goes with it, it's going to be so amazing. Don't make it hard on yourself. Just get like Balagued recoveries when gaming company drops 500 of them, pay 10 cents and buy listen for 60 the year later. The, so I, I find that the tricky part with
1: uncommons is that most of the time everyone already knows what the good ones are. Uh, it's really hard to be clever when it comes to uncommons. Um, the, the, old, the, the being clever comes in going, well, this uncommons $2, but I think it can be 6 that's a dangerous game to play. Um, and like expressive iteration is one of those cases. Uh, and it's, you know, yourself and a couple other people managed to pull that off, but that could have gone south very easily if things had shaken out slightly differently. Um, which isn't to say it was a bad choice, just that it's, it's the type of choice that I feel like can, you know, a card like expressive iteration can be 20 cents in some metas and $10 in others.
0: Well, under, um, and I understand that it, I wasn't guessing like i was looking at early results and the early and the sure, early results sure. were good and we talked about it in the discord and in others you know i talked about it in other places and felt yeah this this looks like it's heading in the right direction you're still rolling dice but you're rolling dice with odds oh, significantly more in your favor funny i mentioned balaget recovery that's actually buy listing at 234 credit <laughs> that's pretty pretty um, sweet for people to have those
1: yeah, the uh, yeah, it, it, I'm not saying you were you were doing it off the cuff, but more like um,
0: I'm just clarifying like process.
1: Yeah, I uh, I was gonna say what was I gonna say that
0: you have to have the results to work with, and have the turnaround time. Um, you don't, you don't have to, the, but but I think that your your willingness to lean on those results should be in direct in a direct ratio to your skill as a magic player in the format in question. If you're a modern spike and you have been for a long time, and you you play daily on Magic Online, and you feel like you're right in the pocket, watching the emergent tech develop, then you're gonna then you can take greater risks earlier in your format of choice. But if you're a primarily EDH player, and you're trying to guess what stuff out of MH two is going to see the most play, you probably want to. Uh, source your intel from people that know more than you. So you want to be listening to the spike related podcasts, the spike Twitch streamers, the YouTube channels, and, you know, be in the ProTrader discord or something similar where you have a strong community of people that are relatively kind to one another and are sharing good information.
1: Well, being careful not to, uh, be overzealous in your, confidence your your read on your own knowledge of a format is um is a very important and ties into the point I did want to make which is uh the bricks of cards people buy are that's a really good place to have, to see people make actual bad mistakes because they think that they know something that other people don't and really they've just they're wrong um those are bad specs for, you know like I have um, a friend who's notorious for picking cards from past standard sets and being like oh this is going to be a hot card this season I'm going to spec on and every single one of us is like no you read on that is wrong it's not that good and like here are your best play pattern here's why that's not that good there's this other card in the format that's better or screws it up and he was never never listened to us and was wrong every single time
0: your, your returns uh, will definitely go up if year after year you are more and more skeptical of your own decisions, <laughs> yes, like, uh, yeah, but, I, I don't buy huge piles of aggressive mining style cards much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly
1: the type of card that it's like—it's easy to look at that and be like, "Oh, I got it. This card is—is is it?" And it's like, eh, <laughs> not like I." I guess what I'm saying is one of the easiest places to get caught is early on buying a brick of a card because you believe it's going to be great. And it doesn't matter if the card is good in a vacuum. What matters is if it's good where people are going to play it. And it's easy to be wrong about that and very easy to over estimate how good something is so oh. i guess i don't have anything specific to point to here but that that is definitely a place i've heard people over and over and over say stuff and i'm like good luck but uh
0: i've got a good tangential point point. one of the things that can trip people up during preview season or when trying to uh price their entry can be comparing prices relatively between platforms regions or websites um so for instance let's say there's a hot new standard mythic say it's the meat hook massacre and CK's got it at $10 and somebody else has got it at 20. You're like, Oh, it's a $20 card. They've got it at half off. When in reality, Mm -hmm. let's say it's not meat hook Hook massacre. Let's say it's some other mythic that's going to fall by the wayside. They could both be wrong. It could be a $3 bulk mythic. And, and it, and if you get caught up in the, Oh, I'm getting 50% off during, in the early goings, you are falling for smoke. The, you know, the, 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 um, inefficiency of the market is clouding your vision because the market doesn't know how much that card's worth yet. They're all the buy, the selling team, the retail teams are just taking a shot based on historical averages and their best guess at how important the card is. And that's not how you want to be pricing things. And from a perspective of pro traders and group buys, this comes into play when we get offer we get singles group buys. We've had a lot of really successful singles buys where people have made a lot of money. There's also been singles buys where people have could have just waited six months and bought the cards cheaper later, because either they picked the wrong card in the group buy. You know, you can have something like an early group buy on Modern Horizons two. You can say. Uh, the index of Modern Horizons 2 cards is $2,000, and we expect it to fall to $1,200. And it may fall, fall to $1,300, or it may fall to $870. You don't know. You're taking your best guess up front. Now, if you go hard on the Ragavans in that buy, you're probably going to do pretty well no matter what. If you go pretty hard on Random Mythic Titania or whatever that you think is going to be worth a lot of money because you're convinced it's a 4 of in modern... Um, then you may wake up three months later and realize that you could have just bought it for two bucks
1: yeah that's a good one for people to get caught out on it's the 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 medium the medium size is there just to get you to buy the large trick essentially (laughs) Uh, but almost unintentionally although it does make me wonder now if maybe there's a Angle out there to run two apparently different card shops, and when pre-order season rolls around, like list a card for ten bucks and then have your other store list it for twenty.
0: Well, so that
1: everyone goes to the one that's ten dollars and buys that one, knowing damn well it was never going to be that expensive to begin with. I
0: won't go down that rabbit hole because there's there's all sorts of silliness we could we could come up with along those lines. The but I will say this: the I I don't think so a common sentiment is just wait like you're you're buying too early you're buying too early you're buying too early there are plenty of people that think that way and they look for their exits down the road i mean their entrances down the road and in a lot of cases that works out like if you think about like the thieving skydiver example like i probably called it at 10 to go 25 or 30 or something last fall you can get them today i just bought some today for four dollars Now, I'm not going against the data there. If the data was that no one was playing the card, I would not have gone in on it at four just because I have some $8 and $10 copies and some $6 copies from Japan. I'm going in because it does have solid stats in EDH. It steals soul rings for a very cheap price. It's a very good card. Um, And the inventory is not particularly deep on the card because it is getting bought at a reasonable pace. It's really great that we can see that, that sales pattern in TCG these days. But the there there is a chance when you are evaluating uh this stuff to miss opportunities if you assume everything is going to be further down the road like people are making a bunch of money off meat hook massacre this weekend if you pre-ordered at a reasonable price and you got your copies already and you're flipping them this week you're making good money the the mystical archives set uh Set-sourced copies made good money. Japanese War the Spark Planeswalkers. Um, the Time Spiral Remastered Old Border Foils did very well for about a month before the hype cycle moved on. So so many times over a three-month period that they are largely forgotten and are just kind of like collecting dust on TCG Player. I,
1: I know what I wanted to point out, that the Mystical Archives was a case of one of those... Um, the sources having the data wrong, essentially, because I remember the Japanese ones showed up on, I think it was CSI, and the prices looked like way cheaper than everyone else. And it was like, wow, these are phenomenal prices, and I bought a fair bit, a couple hundred dollars worth, and then once the inventory filled in, a lot of them came down. Yeah, that's um true. And I don't think I got crushed on it. Uh, and i still think a lot of those are good in the long term but that was a case of like wow they've got it for 20 and everyone else has it for 60 so i'm going to buy them and then it was actually an 8 dollar
0: card and then conversely if you're talking about the demonic tutor uh from the japanese alternate art version foils of that are already at are sitting at 2 uh 262 is the lowest price in tcg right now and they were available opening weekend under hundred dollars.
1: So, just say, saying that to make me feel bad.
0: I'm just pointing out that the idea that all all magic cards you're supposed to wait six months or a year until quote unquote peak supply when gaming company cracks their last thing is not always going to be the case. There are plenty of opportunities that are much faster, and many of them are you know subtle things like those you know Japanese set sourced setbox sourced mystical archives being worth a ton on Harry yuya via their buy list which we successfully uh transacted toward like we sent thousands of dollars worth of cards over to japan and got out within three months on that stuff like there's no waiting on those time warps you had to get them when the news broke that that was a thing in japan you had to be brave enough to go out and snap that off you were taking on risk and in that case it worked out Now, you can can certainly choose a path for yourself where you dodge those, like, risky big-ticket plays because there's other things like Phyrexian Vorinclex out of Cal Time this year. Foils of that got up to 450 or something. There were some really good exits if you bought under 200 early on, and then it got forgotten because, like, the hype cycle has moved on. And if we look at... uh, Let me just bring that up because I know it's down. Somebody had mentioned it in the... Uh, like
1: 80 or something,
0: isn't it? Well. Not that low, but 130 is the lowest with 56 listings. And given enough time, that's going to be a $250 to $300 card again. But your exit on that was in like week two. Like if you cracked those out of a CB, you didn't want to sit on it for two years. And you didn't want to wait if to buy the single and flip it. Because if if you buy it now, you, it could be a solid long-term play. But if you bought it opening weekend, you could have flipped it a week later for very good gains.
1: Yeah, although, you know, stuff like that's funny because I, I still have a memory of the uh, Fate Reforged special art Ugin the Spirit Dragon.
0: The one out of the Ugin promo packs?
1: Yeah, no, I gotta go look. It was, yeah, it was the... F- Ugin's Fate was yeah. the artwork for mm-hmm. it. So there was a Fate Reforged version, which is the one that you see on like the M21 packs. And then Ugin's Fate was the other version that was special that you could get. And uh, I I and a buddy both cracked the special Ugin's Fate versions. And they were like, I don't know, they're like 80 or 90 bucks at the time, maybe a little less. And then he was like, so what do we do? Do we sell these or we keep them? And I'm like, well, we should probably sell them. Because you have no idea what these things are going to do. These like special promo arts. And then they went up. And the difference between those and those Phyrexian Vorn Klexes, uh essentially inconsequential. You know, controlling for. Similar kind of thing. Time. Yeah, they were, exact, they were very similar types of like cool looking special edition cards that all got dumped at once. And that was it. Uh, and one of them went up, and one of them went down. Now, magic back then is a lot different than magic today, but I I don't know. I, I I guess I I don't know if I have a point with this. I just I'm sharing an anecdote where I remember something very different than what happened with the Born Clexis here. Well,
0: that's an interesting card because there's twelve listings left for those Ugin's Fate Ugin promos. They're all pretty cl- t- tightly clustered between 105 and 130. And they're eventually going to dry up and be. It's going to show up on one of our lists some week as a three hundred dollar card because there's just not going to be any left, and they're never going to give you that card again in that in that particular format. And they sell about once every week, every two weeks. Like that's how long you've got to wait to sell a single copy. So so it's possible that buy lists in full gear on TCG Player can churn can keep up with that, and it will never you know take a long time to drain out. But uh there's a tangential flag to watch out for and this one's tricky because it's a feel thing like you're just guessing you don't really 100 percent know what's going on but it's at least something to be thinking about um to cap things off here and that's that when prices are moved hard by speculator vendor activity with a dash of collectors getting caught up in some social media hullabaloo that's a pretty good opportunity for prices to retrace and I think that, that is, you can attribute a situation like that probably to the the foil Phyrexian Vorinclex. You can probably say that about Time Spiral old border foils, where everybody was just assuming that all like that the vast majority of Magic players would really appreciate the nostalgia of old border foils, when in fact that not, the percentage of players that give a shit might actually be quite lower. Like it's po- like we've talked about before on cast that. For some percentage of newer players, it could be that borderless and extended art foils are more desirable to throw into an ADH deck than an old border foil because the expanded art presents better on table.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a lesson that we didn't know. And I think I think it's fair that a lot of people we didn't know. I think it's fair that we didn't know. And a lot of people were in the same boat, but we have slowly learned over the last year that there's way less demand for those than we might have anticipated initially
0: or i mean i think it's a combination of things i think it's that the market is narrower than imagined i think it's that the hype cycle is moving on very quickly and you know it used to be that like if you got one really exciting magic premium product a year that was like a big deal (laughs) now you get secret layers every six weeks multiple secret layers every six weeks you get premium cards with every set you get special premium sets on top of that and there's just so much premium how much of it is even premium anymore but more to the point how much of it uh how much mind share does any given premium printing control the average magic player couldn't even name probably the top 10 most expensive cards that have been released this year um i mean all of that's
1: true but i all of but it doesn't matter because our read on the old border foils has to occur in light of that information oh yeah
0: but that's what i'm saying is that the that the old border foils are it's not just that not as many people want them like those cards are still selling like if you look at the top 20 obf regular and foil from tspr there's plenty of sales Like it's not like the, it's not like note that, that they're being rejected by the market e- even the uh foil etched Old border foil etched from MH two. There are some success stories there already. Things like prismatic ending, etc. So the market seems to be willing to absorb most of this stuff. Even those hideous sketch cards are going to sell. Like I'm going to make money on sketch Esper Sentinel. I have little doubt. Uh, And Merktide Regent, etc. But I think it's it is important to note whether you are. When a card is popping off in price and the inventory' is draining fast, you have to ask yourself, is that are, are those players that are buying that? or is that because 50 speculators with thousand dollars to burn all piled in on the same thing at the same time?
1: Yeah, well, that, I mean that that aspect of it I would agree with that you can you can certainly get caught up in those sort of cycles. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, that's cryptocurrency. And, and I, I, right? <laughs> I very
0: much feel like Meat Hook Massacre is a lot of that. Like, the yes, the card is great, but inventory should overwhelm current price points and drive them back down.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I have trouble imagining that it won't. Like, I, I don't see why this would remain a $30 Mythic. Like, right? Isn't it just like the basic pack Mythic, like 30 bucks or something right yeah. now? Yeah. The, yeah, there's no way. When was the last time a standard mythic was that expensive other than okay? So we
0: so we had somebody report that they sold one for eighty or ninety dollars, right? But already yeah. the prices have been undercut back down to lowest foil extended art right now is forty nine. Which with, with yeah. twelve listings. So that window of opportunity to get out on those meat hook massacres is like now. Because yeah. give this another two or three weeks and that those foil extended arts are gonna get pushed back down under thirty would be my guess.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I I'm, uh, yeah I well if I if I had a Meat Hook Massacre I'd be selling it I don't when was the last time a standard card kept a price tag like that? It's very rare. Well, I think it's going to be most especially on release, especially on release. It's
0: most comparable again, I think, to Great Henge, and probably will follow a similar pattern. (laughs) Great Great Henge was not discovered early like Meat Hook Massacre, and so that's the difference. Like Great Henge was very cheap opening. opening weekend, and I was buying... I bought tons of Great Henges in Japan, Europe, and North America over the course of the first two or three months of its standard release, no problem. Keep in mind, that was Throne of El Drain, and there were a lot of car- broken-ass cards in that set that, uh, that people were focusing on, like Once Upon a Time, etc.
1: Yeah, that... I mean, yeah, that set was just... And Oko. Bonkers.
0: You know, Oko was definitely That's... overshadowing as the key mythic.
1: So let's see that great Henge came out at like ten to fifteen, and then just slowly climbed up until early this year, but that was essentially below twenty five for months.
0: Fo- foil extended art Great Henges were definitely purchased in the twenty to thirty dollar range broadly, and then within a year were up over a hundred bucks.
1: Well, I'm just looking at the absolute just the basic pack. Copy. Oh, okay. Out of curiosity, just like... Just, just, just out of... To see what what was a card like that keeping a price tag
0: at in standard. Yeah. So anyway, let's see if we can wrap this all up. Make sure you understand your process. Speculate accordingly. Be aware that when speculators drive a price up, it may regress. Make sure that you don't get tripped up by comparing the... Uh, price tags of the same item at two different places at the wrong time before the market has established the price um don't try to outthink the market don't try to make a card better than it actually is don't try to be original Um, don't be scared to reject a large percent of percentage of advice given to you by us by the, the the discord by other sources you know, we we've talked before this year about how like filtering out, you know, two thirds or three quarters of of what is recommended to you, and going with just the very very best of stuff is is a very fine strategy indeed. Now, the key, of course, is figuring out which stuff to ignore and which stuff to accept. <laughs> but but hopefully, that's where we can help push people in the right direction. Well, <laughs> it's
1: kind of a. Uh self-failing prophecy right like oh, just ignore 70 percent of the stuff we tell you and we'll tell you which 70 percent of the stuff that
0: we tell you to ignore but it's not the key the key i'm the point i'm making is not that you listen to the will tell you which stuff to listen to or ignore although that is part of the purpose of us providing uh you know scale 10 ratings which are never outside of seven to nine you know because we're not trying to tell you to look at The worst choices possible we're trying to give you reasonable things to consider but I don't feel the same about all of them and we we do try to represent that but it's also about the pro trader community provides a very strong set of filters like there's thinly veiled criticism uh, present in in a lot of the posts and we maintain a very civil environment and everybody's very kind to each other but people are not scared to tear down a bad idea whether it's from us or each other so there is a lot of value, I think, in having those filters set up to help you figure out what, you know, say if you're trying to trying to establish the top 33% of opportunities, it's not that hard when you if you bounce ideas off people and they know what they're talking about.
1: Well, yeah, that I mean that was my comment earlier about having someone to work with
0: is very valuable or a group of people. Um yeah, my uh,
1: my takeaway here for all of you is it's a slightly different angle which is a lot of the stuff you guys think are bad picks aren't bad picks they just went awry for different for a different reason um that's not to say that bad picks don't get made but there's a difference between a bad pick and a a a pick that didn't work for some outside factor uh you know and going forward i'm going to try and keep an eye on the spec discussion channel a little more and if i think about it try and make notes about stuff that i see people float that i think are actually bad picks so that i can compile a bit of a list and then down the road we can revisit it and i can be like okay here are the ones (laughs) that are actually
0: bad uh we'll have a booby prize or something like that the loser Actually, gets their name read out loud. I mean, give, <laughs> keep in mind, we didn't tell people to tell us what their tell give us their list of bad specs. We said we wanted to have specs gone wrong and then explore the variety of ways that that can happen. I think we've done that. Mm okay that's fair that's fair i i did not
1: read your initial your initial request closely so i suppose those are two separate questions because my foil taskers that lost me 700 dollars are a spec gone wrong but i don't think they were a bad spec so there is a difference yeah i mean i fully
0: agree that tasker at the time seemed like a solid solid spec
1: yeah well that's what i'm gonna keep telling myself anyways
0: all righty so where can people find you online travis Oh, I am on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N, just as always. How about yourself? You guys can find me on Twitter at MDG critic, as well as via my occasional articles on MDGPrice.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord, trying to help people figure out how to make or save money also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG Finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you, said money, playing Magic the Gathering.
1: <laughs> Once again, MTG Fast Finance. Is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you could find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including all the best and match the gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code finance5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save five percent off your order and support this podcast. That is episode 291 in the bag. Uh, 292 next week. I don't think we're gonna have any spoilers yet, I don't think which seems wild since we just did the full set release last week, two weeks ago. And I'm like, do we have spoilers again? No, Crimson Dawn should be so. like
0: mid, mid late October. Is it, is that
1: the, I don't know. What is the, I think it's late November Crimson is the release Vow date. Release date. Late November. Yeah, November
0: 19th. So we'll probably mid, start yeah. in week before Halloween. Mid,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got probably two more weeks in October where we don't have to have any spoilers. So we'll find something else to
0: talk about, but I will see you then James. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, uh, everybody else, for sticking with us through our good and bad uh, advice. We'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.